Do you see dead people? Not because you're a Bruce Willis superfan, but because visits with Gma got a little weird after her funeral. Are you often up at 3 a.m. googling the various ways in which bodies decompose? But you swear it's just harmless research. Are you the first of your friend group to go on a murder tour or rent a haunted location for the night? Then this is the podcast for you. Welcome to the Identity Podcast. listeners. Welcome back to another episode. This week, author and journalist Patrick Whitehurst talks about his new book, Haunted Monterey County, his experience with the paranormal, and also some of his favorite haunted places. Now, if you'd like, you can grab a copy of his book, Haunted Monterey County, at your local booksellers um, or on Amazon in paperback or Kindle format. So without further ado, here is Mr. Patrick Whitehurst. Thanks so much for making time to talk with me today. No problem. I I am super excited about this book. Um, I'm always on the lookout for new books that are about haunted locations because that's a big part of what I do on the podcast um, is introduce people to new people and places and kind of oddities. So I guess to start out, can you kind of tell us a little bit about yourself and um, a little bit about the book? Sure, yeah. Um, I was born and raised in Monterey County, where I wrote what this, where this book is about. So I grew up there, and I kind of grew up reading uh, a bunch of haunted stories about that area. And I was just completely absorbed by it um, as a kid. And in fact, actually, it kind of carried into my adulthood, where I just couldn't shake the memories of those ghost stories. So I sort of looked mm. for them wherever I went. So uh, when I moved, as a, when I was about 21, 22, I went to college at uh, Northern Arizona University. I moved to Northern Arizona, and I started kind of collecting all the local ghost stories from that area. And uh, that turned into a little self-published book years and years ago about the ghosts and legends of that area. Everything from La Llorona at the uh, Santa Fe Dam in Williams right. to... Uh, uh, somebody cited, or there was a sighting, this is just a weird one, but it's, it falls under the legends category of a cow that came out of a barn, uh, but it wasn't a regular cow, it had the head of a woman. I really like those weird stories, you know, they, right. they could have been drunken ramblings, they could have been <laughs> written on bathroom stall, uh, you never you never know where you're going to hear the stories or see the stories, but uh, you know if they've been shared more than once, uh, they tend to to go into my little notebook. These days, I yeah. text myself. That's well. more my notebook <laughs> these days. Um, say you know, like I'm, I'm, the book I'm working on now. I've been as I'm I've been in this town for about two months in Tucson, Arizona. Mm-hmm. I moved here about two months ago, and whenever I hear something when I'm out and about. I go, oh my gosh, that'd be great in a book. So I text, I text it to myself. So I remember to look up the story uh, and see what's out there online uh, later. 
Yeah, absolutely. I mean, writers um, are absolutely magpies. You know, we we find the shiny bits. So yeah, that's that's great that you're you're kind of saving them. Yeah, and and then over the years, uh, I, you know, I went to Northern Arizona University for a communications degree and started working for newspapers as a reporter, uh, which I did for about ten years. And I was always the first one to try and get the haunted stories when right. Halloween rolled around. Yep. <laughs> so, and I got quite a few. I saw some pretty creepy videos that people had shot and got to interview psychics and people that knew where all the dead bodies were buried, uh, you know, around town. Oh, very uh, cool. Yeah, but there was, you know, again, you could say there's a body under the 100-year-old courthouse but to get somebody to actually dig it up and pay attention to you, you know, is a whole other matter. Right. So, yeah, absolutely. Yeah. I guess as a as kind of a follow up question to to all of these kind of tidbits you've been finding, um, there are so many haunted places in any given location. How did you decide which ones to include in the book? Because the book um, Haunted Monterey County is just packed with all of these crazy ghost stories. And I'm sure that you probably had to pick and choose. I did. I did. In fact, I also, and this happens all the time when you're working on a book, people don't really pay attention when you ask for stories. It's only when the book comes out that they, they come back to you and offer to give you the story, even though by then it's, you know, obviously too late. But, um, I heard about stories after the book came out, uh, which was interesting because I didn't, I hadn't heard about any, you know, there were at least three things I heard about, including a haunted gas station hmm. that I had no, I, I had no idea, um, were existed. I, I'd never even, I never found any indication of these haunted places, uh, while I was working on the book. Um, so that was, that was an aside, but it, I thought it was interesting. Um, what, what led me to choose the spots were there's, you know, in Monterey, there are, the, the kind of go-to haunted spots, uh, like the Steinbeck house where Steinbeck lived. Right. Because the tour, not only tourists go there, but uh, the locals go there and the historians go there. Um, and there's a lot of history. The Stokes Adobe is another one that's all, you know, throughout mm-hmm. the years had so many stories told about it. So obviously I included those kind of the, the big hot spots. For some of the others... I, you know, I tried to choose some that have been, that are familiar to people uh, that live there, but also to people that are visiting. So it's easy for them to get to and to find, they'll know these spots when they see them. Um, But then I also wanted to add stories that hadn't been told before. So to me, I took that as a challenge to, you know, look up and find, you know, stories of places and incidents that I hadn't read anywhere else. So that that was also a challenge that I tasked myself with. I found quite a few, including the some stories from the high school in Salinas and some stories from the college, which used to be an army base, formerly Fort Ord uh, Army Base, and now it's uh, California State University of Monterey Bay. And there are a ton of ghost stories out there that, surprised me and I was able to speak to some people that actually had firsthand you know eyewitness accounts of some paranormal activity on the campus 
I mean, you know, from from my um, point of view, I mean, I'm I'm originally from Newfoundland in Canada, um, okay. which I mean, the the Atlantic provinces, the I mean, Newfoundland is an island. So the stories that the folklore and the urban legends that you hear in Newfoundland are quite unique because right. you don't really get too much outside interference. But I mean, for for a place like, you know, Monterey County, I mean, it seems like that would be I mean, I'm, I, I have no point of reference. So I'm assuming that it's a relatively large place. It's pretty large. It's not a San Francisco sized, but it's okay. um, it was uh, once upon a time the, the capital. Oh, the, sure. And and it, and it was a major port for uh you know, seafaring voyage, you know, vessels. Um, so it's, it has a very, very rich history. Right. Uh, and of course now it's known for, you know, the Monterey Bay Aquarium. Yeah. It's known for Pebble Beach and the Concours and all the golfing, mm. all that, all that stuff. Yeah. It seems to me as far as ghost stories are concerned, there's something, it has something to do with the water and things coming in from the water. Like we we get right. a lot of a lot of like mermaid legends and crazy like you know the kraken is <laughs> is a thing, yeah. Yeah, and, and Monterey's not not very uh, not not much different. Um, right. They, there are enough stories. Um, I never really heard any mermaid stories, mm. um, but there was Bobo the sea monster, which <laughs> had been seen a few times, and I, I was able to get that in the book a little bit, even though it's not necessarily paranormal. Right. Um, I just found it interesting. And, you know, every once in a while you will see an actual pirate ship come rolling into the bay oh, very and cool. dock it at the <laughs> wharf. Um, and uh, nowadays there's a lot of cruise ships also. Right. But it's a, you know, it's a, it's a very interesting place. It's got so much history. Um, and again, there's, there's no Kraken stories either, which surprises <laughs> me because the Monterey, Monterey Bay has a trench in, in at the bottom of it that's oh. you know super super deep and there's they're always you know kind of doing little robotic expeditions down there to sure. see what they can find uh, from the aquarium and the monterey bay um, aquarium research institute it's um but no krakens not yet anyway well i think i'm going to go on record to say that there probably is a kraken and nobody's found it yet except jack sparrow <laughs> right right exactly um, so you kind of go a little bit into this, um, in the book, but what is your personal relationship with the creepy and the paranormal? If you don't mind rehashing that for, for people who haven't read it yet. My views on the paranormal are, uh, I do believe there's some sort of life after death. Hmm. Uh, and that's a pers personal belief, but I also think you have to be kind of built for it, like born with the ability to see ghosts or to have uh, paranormal spiritual things happen to you um, because they don't happen to me and I don't I think that kind of means that I wasn't really born with that ability um, okay. you know whether it's the third eye or however you want to look at it it's I you have to be kind of sensitive to those things and I am not <laughs> but it doesn't mean I don't believe there's there's life after death it just means I don't think I'm going because I've been to a lot of haunted spots um especially working on the book sure um and I, I i you know i got creeped out at one or two places two two for sure 
And that was about the extent of it. And I may have been creeped out because I already knew the stories. <laughs> oh, right. Yeah. I mean, I'm sure that there's a ton of research that goes into, you know, putting a book about the paranormal together. And like you said, I mean, it's entirely possible that somebody could come to you and say, oh, yeah, there's, you know, 10 people buried underneath this house, but nobody's going <laughs> to move the house or knock down the house right. and dig it. You know, I mean, how are you going to know? Yeah, yeah. So what I did with the book, because, you know, I'm fascinated by this uh, subject, and but I've never had any experiences myself. And I don't know if that's a good thing or a bad thing as a writer to write about something you've not experienced yourself. Mm -hmm. So what I did was I took a, you know, with my journalism background, I, I took a reporter approach and mm -hmm. tried to write it uh, from a very unbiased perspective. So I attributed these incidents to the people that saw them who reported them, not sure. to myself or that I believe I didn't try to say that it was true or not true. Right. Yeah. As I was reading through, I kind of noticed that it was more newsy is the word um, in nature. But I mean, I, I, as somebody who does a lot of research, you know, we, we kind of talk before you, you do crime fiction work and I do crime fiction work. Um, That's right. And the amount of research that goes into doing that kind of writing hours and hours of the id channel for one. right <laughs> right so i mean it you know you you transfer that to other areas of your life and mm -hmm. so when i started this podcast that was one of the things that i had on lock was the ability to research because that was all i ever did was research right yeah and research is is a fundamental when it comes to writing this sort of thing yeah absolutely you, you and, and Really, with these books, there's so much research, and with Monterey in particular, there was there's so much history to tell right. uh, that I wanted I wanted to be sure that that was that was out there as well, so that people while they were learning about the creepy ghost stories, they were also kind of becoming educated on the history of the location. Well, right, and I mean the fact that th it seems like this is the way that we're going now, like instead of going to a tourist destination and seeing all the historical things and then going home, you're going to a tourist destination and also taking in a tour about murder and also taking in a haunted hike and also going on a bus tour about, you know, all of the, you know, the crimes that have happened in the area. Um, yeah, it's this, I mean, it's kind of awesome. <laughs> yeah, I mean, it's, it's kind of, you know, it's like murder tourism, I guess. I don't know what they... Yeah. yeah. In fact, there, in, Monter in Monterey, there's a... A little cable car that takes you around to all the haunted locations in Monterey County. Oh, nice! Uh, some of some of which are in the book, some of which aren't in the book. Um, and it, yeah, I did it. It was a lot of fun. It was <laughs> a great way to spend the evening. I was sort of like, I mean, I was living there at the time, so I kind of felt like a tourist in my own town. Yeah, right. But it was a lot of fun. As far as the contents of the book is concerned. You, you said that you really had to kind of um, narrow down your focus and pick and choose what you were going to include. Was it difficult for you to choose what you chose? or It was pretty easy because yeah. I was looking for very specific areas uh, to cover. Oh, sure. And, you know, a lot of the ghost books for Monterey County um, really focus on the towns that are along the beach. Um, you know, there's, it's Monterey is a bay, so there's, there's Santa Cruz and Marina, Seaside, Monterey, Carmel, Pacific Grove, 
those are like the, the main spots and everyone always writes about those spots. Well, mm. there's Salinas, there's King City, there's Soledad, there's Big Sur, uh, a lot of places uh, kind of outside the bay that I wanted to be sure to include equally in the book. So I, I kind of set out with a, a pie and I wanted to, you know, I was pretty specific in how much of it I was going to divvy up for each uh, part of the county. Do you have any favorites? I do, yeah. Um, I've never, one of my favorites, I haven't actually been inside. <clears throat> and it's my favorite because it creeped me out. Um, mm. I couldn't get into the property. Uh, so I was on the sort of the outskirts of the property. And that is in Soledad. And it's it was a very creepy spot. It's sort of outside the city limits. And it was, you know, it was a very creepy Los Coches Adobe is what it's called. Okay. Um, and the, what's really stuck with me was that there were people that had, you know, reported being thrown to the ground by some sort of spiritual entity that they could see, but they felt feet standing on them, pushing them into the ground. Oh. Uh, other people had reported reported that when they walked into the building, which used to be a brothel, it was sort of a stagecoach stop, there were murders there, um, and people said that they felt an evil presence when they walked inside that was so overwhelming that they had to turn right around and, and leave the building. Uh, and that stuck with me, especially when I went to see it. Um, it also, what made it doubly creepy was the fact it was raining while I was there. But, oh, sure. Um, so it was kind of spooky, <laughs> but I definitely, uh, I definitely got a creepy vibe. It's old boarded up building now that's not being used for anything. Uh, right. and there were some, you know, a few trees around that were kind of dead and dying and the boarded up windows and the overgrown weeds. It was, it was, it was just creepy all around. Sure. Um, but I, you know, the, the goth in me, I guess you could say really loved it. <laughs> so. Yeah. Right. <laughs> So that's your favorite creepy place from the book. Yeah. Now, it seems to me that you seek out the creepy. So is there, I mean, in, in the realm of haunted places, is there like an overall standout? Like if you had the opportunity to go to one creepy place, what would it be? Well, I've been to it. Um, and it was very creepy because I, I was on the California coast. I was near two famous uh, mansions uh, and I've been to both um, only one was creepy and that was uh, where they filmed well what the movie Citizen Kane was based off of oh sure Hearst, Hearst Castle yep um, that I was a little creeped out there it's just a weird mansion there's you know the, the things people do with their money is uh, mind-boggling <laughs> it was you know, it was it was very interesting. I had a great time, but um, but I would not want to spend the night there. Yeah. Um, the other one I've been to, which I thought would be creepy, but really wasn't, was the Winchester Mystery House. Oh, um, really? Yeah. I'm a little I, disappointed I, by that. <laughs> I went. Maybe it's because I went during the middle of the day oh, on a tour. Well. Yeah. <laughs> but um, you know, I didn't. I didn't get any crazy vibes from mm. the place. I know she, she was in, she was interested. 
uh, and the paranormal. Um, she held seances and, and yeah. whatnot. But, you know, a lot of people do that. And it doesn't mean they're going to haunt whatever building they happen to do them in. Right. Um, and the stairs that lead to nowhere and things like that, I kind of actually seeing it firsthand, I kind of came away thinking, you know, I bet you she was going to knock out that wall and do um, an addition. <laughs> oh. Um, you know, I, I didn't, yeah? I, you know, I didn't think it was that creepy. Huh. First Castle, on the other hand, I found to be pretty creepy. Yeah, one of the, um, one of the previous, uh, co-hosts on this podcast, um, Mimi, she tackled, uh, the Winchester Mystery House. Um. Yeah. And, I mean, she, she talked about the seances and, you know, the stairs to nowhere and the doors that open to just drops. Um, yeah. And, you know, how the tour guides have to be careful where they're taking people because you could very well open a door and fall and die. Um, you could. I didn't, I, again, I didn't sense that yeah. um, kind of, you know, immediate need to be careful. Um, yeah. They did a few things that they played up for spookiness sake, but <laughs> not necessarily. It wasn't necessarily. I don't know. I was not impressed. It was a beautiful home. Um, right. A great, great property. Um, and great gift shop. <laughs> oh, nice. But, but, uh, yeah, I saw the doors that open about two stories up. Yeah. And again, I kind of felt like, you know, I think she was sort of putting the cart before the horse with her ambition, but right. I felt like she was, um, you know, going to put stairs at some point that just went down to the outside, like an access, access stairs, yeah. or maybe they collapsed her into, I don't, don't know if there were ever stairs there to begin with, but I, you know, I kept looking at it going, well, there could have been stairs there at some point that fell apart. Oh, right. Well, I mean, there was that earthquake. Yeah. They are the big, the big quake. Yeah. Well, there were a couple of big quakes. Yeah. Well, (laughs) I mean, yeah, (laughs) but yeah, I mean, I, I do absolutely wonder, you know, when it comes to, to haunted places and, you know, the, the accounts of what happened there, what didn't, didn't happen. Um, I mean, it, you know, you, you kind of have to take it with a grain of salt. If you're, if you're a believer, which I mean, I, I think I would put myself on the line between believing and also being a skeptic. Um, I think it's important to have that healthy dose of skepticism because otherwise you just believe anything that anybody is going to tell you. And then you, you know, I mean, what's the use of that? Um, but yeah, no, (laughs) no. So, I mean, you know, when it comes to, you know, for example, the Winchester Mystery House, you know, you, you probably could say that, yeah, well, you know, she was building the house for the spirits, but she probably just didn't get far enough to put those stairs in or break out that wall. And I think that's entirely, that's that's a viable opinion. Yeah, I mean, that's yeah. that's how I felt when I was there. And, yeah. you know, there, and there, was, there was something else, too. The, was it the number 13 that recurred? Yes. There was something else. Yeah. And I remember there was, there was probably some, maybe that had something to do with her spiritual beliefs, but um, again, if you live in a place long enough and you have enough money, uh, we'd all do some pretty weird stuff. (laughs) (laughs) I mean, I know I would. You said that you've never had a paranormal experience. You felt like creepy, but not, you've never actually seen anything or felt anything. I can tell you, well, I have one story, and it's, I don't think of it as paranormal. I did for a 
couple years until somebody said, oh, that happens to everyone. So okay. I'll tell you the story. You can tell me what to think. Um, okay. In 2000, my mom died. And the night that she died, I was asleep. And she came to me in my dreams and told me that she was okay and not to worry about her. And, you know, don't stop freaking out. Um, and I woke up and I remembered it vividly. And I've had a much stronger sense of uh, calm about the whole incident. So, you know, I, for years I thought, you know, I think her spirit came and made mm. me better and it helped. But, you know, as almost 20 years has gone by now, I, the more I've thought about it and looked back on it, I think it's also the mind's way of making you better. Right. And dealing with some kind of trauma. And mm. so that is, that is it. That was the only real story that's the only story that i have and i won't say it's true or not it i did have the dream right but um whether it was spiritual or mental (laughs) i can't i couldn't tell you yeah yeah i mean that i i have absolutely had that experience too um my great-grandmother passed away oh my gosh at least a dozen years ago um but i i had the same you know the similar experience where Um, you feel like you're not awake and you're not asleep. Um, but it's almost like you wake up in a dream. You're kind of like weird and groggy. Yeah. And then you, yeah. And then you have this experience. So I wonder if it's not some sort of sleep paralysis. It could very well be. Um, And, you know, the mind is an amazing tool, which, you know, at times can, can actually help you repair yourself. Yeah. Yeah. Well, and I mean, I think that that's probably a big part of it too. Um, I mean, I I like to think because I'm, I'm kind of on the, on the cusp between (laughs) belief and disbelief. Um, Mm -hmm. you know, it, it, it does make you feel better to think, oh yeah, you know, she, she came and she visited me and it made me feel better. It comforted me, um, in a way that I needed at that particular time. Um, and then you, you know, you talk to other people and they're like, oh yeah, that happened to me too. Um, but I like right. to think that it was a thing that happened. Right. Um, or, but then you talk to a psychologist and they you can, you know, tell you the term, you know, of what it's, there's a, there's a name for it. Right. <laughs> so. Right. Yeah. Well, and I mean, it, it absolutely could just be some sort of sleep paralysis that, you know, right. I mean, it, it doesn't always sleep paralysis doesn't always serve to just frighten you. Sometimes it also serves a purpose to, to comfort or repair. And when you think about, you know, what you're going through when you lose a loved one, I mean, we don't have any, any way to quantify that. That person is just gone. So it's, you know, no matter what you believe happens after that person passes away, you still need to find some sort of a, of a buffer essentially. Yeah. So that maybe that's, yeah, so maybe that's the buffer. I don't know. Yeah, that could, it could be. Mm-hmm. That's definitely true. Now, when it comes to other stories, you know, that some which are in the book um, about people that, you know, felt like they were almost under attack or, or oh, being right. visited in their waking, you know, while they're awake yeah. by something that sits on, you feel somebody sit on the edge of the bed and there's no one there, but you mm-hmm. can tell there's somebody sitting there. Um you know, that's, that's the sort of thing that, you know, you can't 
you can't uh, discredit these people because right. you know them or you've talked to them and they're not insane. Yeah. Uh, they don't do a lot of drugs. They may do some. <laughs> um, you know, you, you can't knock it. They, these things have actually happened to some of these people or so they think uh, right. or so they've reported. And, you know, those are the, the those are the things that have not happened to me. And I kind of think at my age now that they won't. So. Oh, sure. Yeah. Well, I mean, I, you know, I've gone through, um, I'm about halfway through the book right now. Um, okay. and I am, I am noticing similarities between, you know, the, the folklore and the ghost stories that I was told when I was growing up on this little Island of like 500,000 people. Um, oh, really? and the stories that, well, I mean, like, for example, sleep paralysis, you know, these, these instances of sleep paralysis where I come from, they call it being hagged. Oh, really? Um, and the hag, yeah, so the hag is like this, this bony, um, God, I don't even know how to describe it. It, it seems different for everybody, but the, the general idea is the same. So it's like this, this kind of creature that perches on your chest and it's got like long bony fingers. It's very disproportionate. It's gangly. Um, and it's got like long stringy black hair and it perches on your chest. And supposedly it's supposed to be taking your soul out through your mouth. Oh, like what cats do. Yeah, right. Yeah, exactly (laughs) what cats do. (laughs) Yeah. yeah. So, so the, the hag, the, the prevention measure then where I come from is to take a board and you hammer a nail into it and then you turn the board upside down so that the nail is pointing up. And you sleep with that on your chest because then the hag can't sit on you. Oh, wow. Yeah. <laughs> well, so she's very, the hag is very affected by physical uh, setback. Apparently, it's a supernatural being that apparently, um, yeah, is affected by things in the physical realm. I don't know. Okay. Well, maybe if it's made out of iron, it would uh, make a little sense because that's also the use of iron seems to tie into a lot of old legends and folklore. Oh yeah, absolutely. Yeah. I mean, you think about the Wendigo, um, and you know, how do you subdue a Wendigo? Well, you need something that's pure iron. Um, yeah, I mean that, that sort of thing keeps coming back. That's probably what it is. Honestly, it's probably supposed to be. Cause when you think about where these legends came from, I mean, they didn't come from my ancestors. They came from like my ancestors, ancestors. So it's entirely possible that it was, you know, oh, make sure that the nail is pure iron, Um, Mm -hmm. you know, by the way. They even say that about vampires, the connection with iron, which I don't quite get because Hmm. uh, there's there's iron in the blood. So why would I don't think they have a that it would be much of a deterrent for a vampire. (laughs) (laughs) So I guess let's kind of start wrapping this up here. Uh, it says on your Insta profile that um, you are an avid reader. You you really enjoy reading. Um, I do, yeah. Yeah, so I was curious if maybe you could recommend, like, any creepy books to our listeners that you've you've gone through recently. Sure. Um, and, you know, like you and I uh, both do, I think. Uh, I'm reading a lot of crime fiction these days, but <laughs> I also... Um, I also write for Suspense Magazine. I do reviews and sometimes uh, interviews with uh, other authors. Oh, nice. And I've discovered uh, a lot of new authors that way. Um, not new to the field, but new to me. Um, but I've also 
kind of the thing about Tucson here in Arizona is there there's a ton of really cool bookstores, yeah. and I've been able to get out to all of them. Basically, I think I've been to all of them now in the two months I've been here, and some of them more than once. And I, I'm rediscovering some of the old horror authors that I used to like, especially at these used bookstores. Oh, uh, right. I'm finding. So I can give you kind of um, a quick rundown of some of the ones that, that I'm rediscovering. Sure. Um, Stephen King, of course, I'm reading The Institute right now, which is pretty fun. Mm. Um, got to go see the Dr. Sleep movie, which I enjoyed, uh, my fiance less so, <laughs> but I thought it was good. <laughs> so, okay. Um, Kathy Koja, I don't know if you've ever read hers. She's the author of the cipher, uh, strange angel. That, that's another one. Um, okay. and I would definitely recommend her, um, Clive Barker, of course, is one of my favorites that I'm starting to read again. Yeah. James Herbert, uh, he's passed away, but his books are amazing. Um, and then Robert R. McCammon. I read all these guys at the same time when I was, you know, in the early 90s when I was like 19. And they write, you know, if you want just straight up horror, uh, scary stories with supernatural or aliens that are killing people in a small town, uh, these are the guys. And James Herbert, he wrote really, really great um, either demonic, satanic, but also haunted stories about haunted houses in England and, you know, just really wonderful. He had a great way with words. Hmm. Um, and crime fiction, um, the one I'm reading right now is R.M. Greenaway. I don't know if you've heard of her. Oh, she's yeah. from, uh, I think she's from Vancouver. Mm-hmm. Um, she's still writing uh, crime fiction, but it's definitely pretty dark. And okay. you kind of get a sense of dread as you're reading it, which is which is a good book if you get a sense of dread when you're reading that. That's good stuff. Right. So uh, I'm reading that, and then, uh, you know, I get kind of get assigned books right now to read, but I definitely let the magazine know that I like I like my horror. So sure. I'm still looking for some, some new voices out there. You know, it's I don't know if it's just me or not, but I haven't seen horror doesn't seem to be as prominent in the fiction aisles as it used to be. Yeah, you know, I uh, I recently read um, Nosferatu by Joe Hill. Oh, okay. Um, and that was, I mean, that was creepy and had like some, it kind of felt like a dystopian society novel. Um, oh, okay, which I got a little burned out on after the Hunger yeah, Games. Yeah, yeah, it was, I mean... <laughs> I mean, it was really, it was really well written. The characters were super interesting. I read the, um, the actual, you know, the physical novel. And then I also listened to the audiobook, which is, um, oh. it's narrated by Kate Mulgrew. Oh, wow. Captain Jane. Which, oh my God. I was like, that I'm going to love this. And so. Yeah, she's awesome. I, she's fantastic. She, I mean, by far the best captain in Star Trek yeah. history. Well, I kind of partial to Cisco, but, oh, yeah, but they he was wrote the same, the same era. I have to say the the same era. I was so addicted to both of those shows. Yeah, yeah. So I read um, I read Nosferatu and also The Fireman. Um, but that one, that one, I felt like it it went more into the realm of fantasy. 
um, oh, okay. than actual horror. I mean, there was there was definitely some elements of horror in there. I mean, it's Joe Hill, it's Stephen King's son, so of course they're you know. Yeah. Does um, he have his dad's mojo? I I don't think so. <laughs> I mean, you know, me it it hurts to say that, but I mean, yeah, I I don't know. I mean, if I had the option to read a King novel or a Hill novel, I think that the King novel would win out. Um, I, I mean, yeah. that's just, that's where I hang my hat on that. What about Anne Rice or Stephen King? I would probably still say Stephen King because Anne Rice did a lot of vampire stuff. Yeah. And I'm not, yeah, I'm not real super keen. I like, oh, the, even, I like uh, the folklore of, of vampires. I like all the ancient stuff. Right. Um, but then when you try to, you try to modernize it and you try to spin it, it just, yeah, she, she lost me. Right. I just love her style. Uh, her writing style is fantastic. But oh, I mean, she's an, oh yeah. I mean, she's an amazing author. And very nice too. I got to meet her in Phoenix years ago and oh, nice. uh, I, I was surprised how, how down to earth she was. Yeah. <laughs> Right. I mean, she she probably makes a, a, a nice chunk of change. I mean, I'm surprised she doesn't have her own mystery house built up somewhere. Right. Yeah. Well, the books no, she, sold. she does. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I just you know, I remember meeting I have not met Stephen King. I'd love to someday. But um, I remember meeting her and just I, you know, I kind of was like a little schoolboy. Yeah. Um, where I was like, you know, when I was a teenager, I had interview in my back pocket all the time. Right. And, <laughs> you know, she probably rolled her eyes, but, you know, it was very, very polite. Oh, I mean, I'm sure that she hears it all the time. Yeah. I mean, yeah. she, a whole generation grew up with her. <laughs> right. What can we expect from you um, in the future? Are you, are you doing more paranormal stuff? I'm taking a little bit of a new road. I'm, okay. I'm actually working on a new book with the same publisher, and I just signed the contract to do it nice. about a month ago. And it's going to be called Murder and Mayhem in Tucson, Arizona. So it's a oh. taking a historical look at some of Tucson's famous crimes and catastrophes nice. um, that have taken people's lives uh, in this community. And to me, it was sort of a way to learn about the town because right. I'm so new that, you know, I, I really jumped at the chance to do it. And I'm having fun doing, you know, doing the research right now. I've actually started writing. I'm, I'm only about 10,000 words in, but uh, the research, just like the Haunted Monterey County book, the research is what takes the longest. Right. And uh, the, the, the number of stories, and I'm still hearing about more. I, I was at a All Souls uh, procession in Tucson a couple of weeks ago, two weeks ago. And I heard more stories about historical murders that I had not found in my in my work in my research. So hmm. I googled it, and I was sure enough there was the story. And I went, "Oh my gosh, there's just there's this treasure trove of uh, kind of the dark side of Tucson's history, which you know every town has a dark side." Um, and I enjoy learning about it and sharing what I've learned. Where can people pick up a copy of um, Haunted Monterey County? Uh, is it in physical form um, or just Amazon, just Kindle? It is uh, physical form. Uh, if you're in Monterey County, it's it's at almost all the bookstores from what I've heard. Unfortunately, I moved to Tucson uh, 
just weeks before the book came out. Mm. So, um, but from what I've heard, it's it's at a lot of the bookstores there and the Barnes and Nobles. Um, and then it's also available on ArcadiaPublishing.com and on Amazon, Barnes and Noble's website. Uh, it's so, you, and from there you can get print, you can get Kindle, whichever uh, strikes your fancy. I like having the print one myself. There's some really, really good illustrations uh, from a uh, local artist, Paul Vandekar, and they're they're amazing. I think they really set off the mood of the book. Yeah, those illustrations are wonderfully creepy. Yeah, he did a great job on them. And I'm tempted to ask him if he wants to do uh, any for the murder and mayhem, but I'm not sure how that's oh, going to yeah. progress yet. So, <laughs> But uh, for the ghost book, it definitely worked. It should be out, uh, if all goes well, uh, it should be out around Halloween uh, next year. So if, if people want to connect with you on social media, um, how can they do that? Well, I'm on Instagram and Facebook and Twitter at PM Whitehurst uh, or at Patrick Whitehurst author and Instagram. You know, I don't actually know my handles, probably like Whitehurst 12 or something like that. <laughs> um, I need to get a better handle on Instagram. Yeah. <laughs> but, yeah. Um, and then patrickwhitehurst.com is sort of the clearinghouse for everything. And you could find links to my social media there as well, including good, good reads. And I try and blog once in a while, at least one. I try and do about two blogs a month as well. So. Oh, sure. And then it sounds like um, people can also find your stuff in Suspense Magazine. Yeah, suspensemagazine.com. Um, I have a few there so far. Um, and I'll have some. I'll have an interview with author uh, Dietrich Caltese in, I believe, the December. Um, but it could be the one after that as well. But I have a review of his latest book, which was amazing, and an interview with him as well in the next issue or the issue after. Well, Patrick Whitehurst, thank you so much for taking the time to talk with me today. Yeah, you are um, quite literally the the first person that I have interviewed for this podcast. So. Uh, you have Perfect. the you have the distinct honor. <laughs> That's awesome. Well, thank you. Well, that is it for the Identity Podcast this week. If you'd like to send us your favorite folklore tales or um, creepy stories, you can send those to the Identity Podcast at gmail.com. We are on Twitter and Instagram as Identity Pod. And if you'd like to check out my blog, that is the identitypodcast.wordpress.com. All right, guys, thanks for listening this week. And as always, stay spooky. Stay spooky.